Introduction The best thing about having a passion in life is how unique they can be to us. We all care about things differently, some of us more than others. Sharing a passion creates a unity that no other shared thing can provide. We share cake, a pie, a conversation, and even more likely a few bottles of whiskey. But none of these compare to what a shared passion gives to like-minded individuals. There was a man who had a lot of passion, and there was nothing he loved more than to share it with others. That passion was following Scotland, and he had just about enough of it to become one of the greatest Scottish football supporters of all time. His name was Joseph Doherty McGonagall, known and loved by many of you as Joe, the man I hold the privilege to call my granda. The wise words of Thomas Dexter Jakes say, If you can't figure out your purpose, figure out your passion. For your passion will lead you right into your purpose. My granda was here to be known, to be loved and to inspire. In following Scotland worldwide for 60 years, he fulfilled each of those. And in this, I know he found his purpose. Hindsight is the funniest of things. Without my granda's love of following Scotland, he would not have lived the life he did met the people he had or left an imprint on the lives of so many. Having a passion can open one door and unlock a thousand others. But be careful to assume passion as only a pastime or hobby, for passion comes from the heart. And you've got to follow your heart. It should be an obligation. I will always remember my granda by these nine moving words he'd say to my nana in response to her humorous grumbling. Following Scotland is not a holiday, Kath. It's duty. It doesn't happen very often that you meet somebody with such infinite joie de vivre and positivity that they are capable of elevating your spirits in the space of a few minutes. And I was not expecting my visit to Joe McGonagall's home in 2018 to be a bundle of laughs, considering the fact he'd been diagnosed with stage 4 head and neck cancer two years earlier. As a feature writer with the Pression Journal, I was covering the Courage on the Catwalk and Brave charity initiatives to help raise money for Friends of Anchor, events which have allowed scores of people, male and female, to strut their stuff at Aberdeen's famous Art Deco Beach Ballroom. In one sense, these meetings with the models of all ages and backgrounds offered the chance to highlight the strength of the human spirit and explain how the catwalk shows provided an escape from the often harsh reality of gruelling chemotherapy sessions involved in tackling an illness that affects almost every family. When facing a cancer diagnosis, it can prove more than difficult to remain upbeat. Families become familiar with a solemn atmosphere, laughs are in short supply. It can be so challenging to keep a a light mood when there is a dark shadow hanging over the landscape. And then there was Joe, a man with a capacity for finding silver linings in every situation a redoubtable Aberdonian with a sense of the absurd and a tangible determination to prove that even if the end was in sight, he was going to enjoy the journey, prove it was a wonderful life and keep on fighting to the end of the road. This blithe man was such a breath of fresh air on our initial meeting. His vocal cords had been ravaged to the stage where the conversation was initially difficult. But then, bit by bit, I was enthralled by the McGonagall magic and we talked about his decades of following the Scotland football team across the globe 
to more than 50 different countries. He was in his pomp while his beloved compatriots qualified for World Cups regularly from the 1970s to the 1990s, and he travelled to Germany, Spain, Mexico, France, wherever there was the opportunity to cheer on different teams from the days of Kenny Dalglish and Dennis Law to John Collins and the rest of the Tartan Warriors who tackled Brazil in the opening match of the 1998 World Cup in France. Joe wasn't a parochial supporter. On the contrary, he relished meeting fans from other countries and they rejoiced in his company. He was famous for collecting memorabilia from all those far-flung places, but he also made sure his hosts in Europe and further abroad enjoyed the best Scottish hospitality. His granddaughter Cassie has done a marvellous job in collating so many cherished moments from his peripatetic life. But there again, Joe was one of those rare people who could forge a bond with strangers and make them feel special. Even during that first meeting, he kept turning adversity to advantage. He derived delight from his last meal, before important surgery, at the Asheville Chipper in Aberdeen. Then he told me about how his reaction to learning he had a rare cancer was to say, well, I'm a rare specimen myself. And as he spoke, I still remember the sound of laughter reverberating through his house. Just a few months later, he was one of the star attractions at the Brave Shows, where he sashayed across the catwalk as if he had been taking lessons from Twiggy and looked as if it was a natural maloo. Behind the scenes, his daughter Karen was worried that the demands of the event might prove too much for her beloved dad, and she was right to have concerns. Joe had not long finished another round of chemotherapy one week before the show. These events can be uplifting for the participants and audience members and they have raised more than a million pounds for Friends of Anchor since they started in 2013, but they can also test the mettle and endurance of those who take part, all of whom have been affected by cancer. Yet, while he was finalising his preparations for taking centre stage, with a smile which brought the house down, Joe gave me the thumbs up and told me it would be sensational. And he was right. He may have died at the start of 2020, but the myriad memories, anecdotes and recollections of those who knew him paint a glorious picture of a man with an insatiable exuberance, a force of nature, somebody who loved football and who was a very efficient coach and official in the North East, even though he didn't toot his own horn. But above all, he was devoted to those close to him and the smile on his face when he's photographed at Aberdeen Beach with his beautiful little dog Misty by my colleague Colin Rennie is one of those images which sticks inexorably in the mind. It struck a chord with everybody who saw it. Even now I, I seem to have some grit in my eye when I look back on it. But enough. Enough. Joe McGonagall wouldn't have wanted anybody to indulge in sentimental nonsense or fret over his illness. He was one of those indomitable souls who might have died, but who has never really left us. And this book amply illustrates that he was one in a million, a man with an all-consuming zest for life right to the very end. I feel very privileged to have met him and his family, but now let's create action on those magical McGonagall memoirs. <laughs>